Good morning. It is Tuesday, June 1st, 2021, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Let's see. Since we last checked in, the Cubs have won eight of their last 10, and the Nationals went four and six. If I, not more, if not worse. They, they they do not have a good team. I told you that before. It's just bad. Oh, my goodness. And what else happened in baseball last week, Jim? What's that? We saw what is probably the worst defensive play in the history of the MLB. Yes, yes we did. And, and we both saw that one there yes. and, the, and the reruns of that one. Yep. And believe it or not, I, I used that as an explanation of – what is going on in this corn market? We can talk about that in a little bit here if we find some time for it. What else happened out there? Helio Castroneves won the Indianapolis 500. With a lot of people there. A lot of people. Yes. Yeah. A lot they, of they went there. to the capacity. I think they were 40% of capacity that they were allowed, but it was a big crowd. It was a huge crowd, and that's quite the race. The world's largest meat packer experienced a cyber attack. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. We'll talk about the change in the weather forecast. And, of course, we celebrated the lives of so many servicemen and service women that gave their lives for freedom in this country, Jim. Yes, that's all, always uh, always worth mentioning, Jim. My yeah. father was in the Navy. My uncles were in the Navy and those and many more in our great armed services. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory. That is Pro Farm Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. And you started to go there talking about the crowd that was at the Indy 500, Jim. It is starting to feel more and more post-pandemic all the time, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And a number of retail establishments, even beginning today now, Trader Joe's, and you don't have to wear a mask. Now, my local supermarket, Harris Teeters, which I really like, you still have to wear a mask. But I think more and more, I think if you've had the two vaccines, increasingly, you're not going to have to wear them. And that's the, uh, I think that's the way it should be. And there's going to be some increasing or more, yeah, increasing, there's going to be increasing controversy over whether or not you should be required to show a vaccination passport or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't mind as long as I don't lose my card, but I've made, I've made copies of it and I'm going to laminate it, things like that. But it looks like the Republicans are not in favor of that. I'm not quite sure. They want an ID to vote, but yet they don't want an ID for vaccination. So who said Washington ever had to be consistent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I can see points on both sides. I, I really can. This is a this is one of the reasons that we elect people to go to Washington, D.C. and make decisions. The joke here, if you can joke about this, Chip, when we hold one or two fingers up, it's not going to the bathroom. It's how many vaccine shots. How many vaccinations you've had. Yeah, outstanding. <laughs> Good to know anyway. <laughs> it's just one of those things we do out here. <laughs> All right. The, the grain markets are getting ready to fire back up here in just a little bit. And we've got some markets that responded to a much drier forecast with sharp gains in the overnight session. Spring wheat market really led it to the up, upside. And this is a, another sign of the volatility that we're going to continue to see. Don't forget, corn market made two limit moves last week in two different directions. This is the kind of volatility that analysts 
and observers have been warning about would result from the kind of move that we saw. Yeah, you know, it's one of those get used to it. Here it comes. And you saw the commitment of traders report. They're lightening up on the bull side. So yeah. they could come well come right back in, Jeff. And that's where you get your volatility. And you had Bloomberg pointing out that is this the end of, of the grains bull market? And then you come roaring back today. I'm happy because we finally got more than a few days of rain out here in the east, but it's not coming in the Midwest. And especially then you have the sensitivity hard to peg the impact of some of those freezing and very cold temperatures swat into northern iowa well it, it was more than just northern iowa it was into eastern iowa as well i saw some of it yesterday i had graduation and visitations uh, to go to yesterday and and all around eastern iowa there are spots where you can see where that corn got burnt so they're gonna now, have to replant it may be mostly cosmetic you got to give it a little bit of time to to see what happens not many people remember the 1992 father's day freeze but I remember it very clearly. Yeah. Father's Day, not yeah. Memorial Day. Yeah. And that corn crop was a lot further ahead and it got a lot colder than what it did over the weekend. So give it a little bit of time. We'll see if it comes back or not. Okay, let's get into what you learned last week. What about the infrastructure bill? One week and counting because over the weekend, we had, they talked last week, Chip, and Biden, if it's left to Biden, I think he could work a deal with the Republicans, but he has his Democratic leaders in Congress, I think, who want to go solo on this thing. They want a higher level than it looks like the $1.2 trillion compromise between Biden and the Republicans. They're, they're both at different levels. But now over the weekend on the Sunday news shows, Chip, we had Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg say the clock is ticking, the White House is signaling another week. So I think this week is critical for the negotiations. And if not, they'll just fly solo on this one. Okay. How do you think this one's going to play out? I keep thinking that it's going to be a fly solo, Jim. My bias is there now, too, because the funding differences are so yeah. significant, Chip. The Republicans do not want to increase any of the tax cuts in 2017 under President Trump, and they want some user fees, and they want to use some of a lot of the funding of the COVID, prior COVID relief funding that has not, that, that has not been used. The Democrats, including the White House, want no part of that. They want that corporate tax increases, other tax increases, et cetera. So I don't see how you bridge that gap. Yeah. And to be fair, Chip, prior years, it's always been about how do you fund the initiative. I just wish if you're going to have to go in debt for something, to me, this is what you go into debt for, infrastructure, multiple years, yeah. over eight years, get it done. Yeah, yeah. Chris Gibbs, the Rural Voices USA, was on the free-for-all with us on Friday. And boy, when he talked about the infrastructure bill, he took everything right back to jobs, how this is going to be a jobs program as much as an infrastructure program. Jim, do you buy into that? If it's really aggressive and has muscle behind it, it could well be because there's a lot of work to be done. This is just not shovel-ready time like under Obama, Chip. This is multi-year investments that's going to take years. Not just Our roads, our bridges. Can you imagine the, the number of bridges that need repaired? So th this is like a decade-type program. So in that case, I think 
think it is. And I think this will be a, a great opportunity for a visionary president, if we have one, since Eisenhower, to look at our beautiful potential of infrastructure the way it used to be. But it has to be physical infrastructure at the top end. Then you got to debate on this social infrastructure, and that's another issue. Physical infrastructure, everybody agrees on. Social infrastructure, they don't. Okay. Just a reminder to everybody that if you've got a comment to make or a question to ask, look at the right side of your screen and there should be a comments tab on there that you can click on and, and send your comments in here. As long as we're talking about spending and big ticket items, Jim, we got Biden's budget last week. Yeah, and I handled it over a weekend special report on profarmer.com, but I'll just give you the bottom line. Uh, of course, a lot of money, but it's not dead on arrival, as a lot of Republicans are saying, primarily because a lot of this funding chip is in his various bills that he wants to do on infrastructure, social infrastructure, and COVID relief, et cetera. As far as USDA and the total government, whatever agency or department you looked at, a lot of new funding for climate change. That came through loud and clear. So they're consistent in that regard. For USDA's budget, a big increase for, for food and nutrition you know, programs. For EPA, it's enforcement, new rules, and a lot more people. And it's really a budget of redistribution of funds. That's what I see in the budget. Of course, not all of it's going to be signed off on, but a lot of it will be, more than the Republicans are saying, Jeff. Okay. All right. Very good. One that really caught my attention last week, Jim, was USDA saying that they will not appeal the federal court decision to erase the benefits that came along with the new swine inspection system. These are these were prototype plans that were in place at five or six different plants since the Clinton administration. And all of the sudden now we're going to have to turn back time and give up like two to three percent of the industry slaughter capacity. Yeah, that's what the hog industry analyst said, about 2.5% at a time when we're already tight and we have, what, record hog prices. Yeah, this is the impact of the labor unions on the Democratic Party, Chip. That's the key conclusion. And is this based on science? That's what I would want to ask USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack. We really need to hear Vilsack. I want to be fair. I want to hear his explanation of this because the evidence was there that this was not uh, causing any significant, of course, everything has some problems, significant problems. So how do you keep in producing what's needed in the meat sector when you do things like this. So it's going to be appealed. It'll end up in court, et cetera. But it, it was a surprise that they went as, as far as they did, as fast as they did, Chip, but impact to labor unions. Yeah. Okay. One other item from last week that I feel like we need to touch on, USTR, USTR Ambassador Catherine Tai had a meeting with her Chinese counterparts. How'd it go? When they say Frank, that usually means <laughs> not so good. It was d- no details whatsoever. So I, it's to be determined. I'm not saying everything. When you talk, it's a plus. I'm not going to say it was a negative 
to speak at all. But wherever I go, Chip, either virtually or on-site now in my speeches, I get the same question asked nervously, where is the U.S.-China trade relationship going? Because they really ask it in the context of, look at what China has done and continues to do to Australia and other countries, especially if they raise investigatory concerns and want to push investigations relative to COVID-19 origins. They don't want the same thing to happen to the United States, but they don't want to be appeasers as well. And that's called a tightrope. But wherever I go, I'm getting that questions. And how I answer it is very nervously. You you, you could come in one day and have belligerent uh, China's leader, Xi Jinping, surprised a lot of Westerners when he went more on the wolf side, as they call, more aggressive. Then some of the China watchers that Pro Farmer uses tell us he went too fast in that approach. He should have waited a little bit longer, but he didn't. So whether it's domestic policy concerns within China remains to be seen, but China is definitely more aggressive. You can see it in their dealings around the world. And so we could come in one day where if the U.S. goes, quote, too far from China's perspective, a lot of negative things could happen. And when you get too many eggs in one basket, as we saw with soybeans, you you know, to China, what can happen, Chip? So it's one I tell people, when you got a profitable price, ring the cash register every once in a while. Yeah, I'm gonna mix things up here just a little bit. And I'm I'm gonna jump forward here to looking forward because what, what does this wolfish approach by Xi Jinping mean? for the people that believe the time is now to get rid of the the tariffs on some of the Chinese goods coming into the country. It makes it harder. Although uh, you, you the, this past week, with inflation on the rise, I don't care what the Fed thinks, it, it's going to grow. I think they're eventually going to have to acknowledge it. But the Wall Street Journal has a big story today uh, of the number of U.S. businesses appealing to the White House and Biden personally to lift those tariffs because it is costing them. But it adds another dilemma to it. Of course, you have the steel people who say, oh, no, keep them on because a number of steel firms are coming back into the profitable area. Not all, Chip. I, I like to point out, and I did on profarmer.com today, remember when we had the initial tariffs and a lot of the naysayers kept saying on President Trump, the, the China and other countries are not going to pay for those tariffs. It will be American consumers, and in the case of farmers, who will pay for higher equipment purchases, uh, fertilizer, etc. But you can say the same thing, Chip, relative to the Biden administration's effort to increase rather dramatically corporate taxes. If yeah. you think corporations are not going to pass those any extra cost on to consumers, you're wrong. So it's the same sort of analogy. When you increase either taxes or impose tariffs, somebody's in the domestic market in the U.S. is going to pay, and it's usually the consumer. Yeah, yeah, and that gets us back to the um, hog slaughter situation as well, Jim. If they can't process as many, their cost per carcass goes up. Absolutely. They're not going to eat that cost. That cost is going to get passed on 
to two different groups now onto the producer by way of a lower bid and onto the consumer by way of a higher retail meat price. So, Absolutely. I just want to see on the processing lines, I want to see evidence of why they had to yeah. throttle it back. If it's, is it based on science or is it just a ideologue policy thing? So at least be honest with you. What was right. it? Right. Exactly. Okay. We got to get to the weekend happenings. Let's stay in the meat packing. JBS, cyber attack. Yeah. Both Australia and U.S. and Canada, I think Bloomberg cited a problem with the you know Canadian plan. And of course, JBS is the biggest world meat processor. I got an email from a former USDA official today saying, get used to this because this is going to happen more often now because we're not ready to deal with cyber attacks. I hope he's wrong, but I don't think he is. And you're seeing, I, I haven't looked at the markets lately, you're probably seeing the market impact on that with yeah. feeders. I know the last email I got right before we came on the air, the cattle market has to handle the JBS situation of being hacked. JBS is not expected to operate today, at least this source says. Bats and feeders are expected to be sharply lower. No, oh, they'll be limited down on yeah. this one. I, yeah. I, I don't know how we couldn't be limited down on this one. This is as big a situation as the fire at the Tyson plant in Holcomb. This is, it, it, depending on how long it lasts, it, it could look similar to what it did a year ago with all the, the marketing disruptions that we had from COVID. Let's connect some dots here. We had the colonial oil thing, right? The cyber attack. We've had yes. more than a few signals. And I know Biden has issued an executive order and it's serious time now, but we need to really focus on this thing because the, the use of technology, if you will, you hate to call this technology, but it is, and just not cyber attacks. Other countries such as Iran and other dastardly countries against the U.S. are using drones now. That the U.S., if you want to you know, talk to some intelligence officials, they're really concerned about how drones in the short and longer term could really damage U.S. troops around the world because they right. can pinpoint, as you well know. So, yeah, we have to come to grips. And agriculture is so expansive that a cyber attack could filter yeah. through the markets. And the cyber attackers know that. And they get a lot of coverage. Yeah, and so relying on technology, especially when it comes to the meat processors and the, the processing end in general. Look at the ethanol side of things and and using up 5 billion bushels of corn there. It shows you the inability of Obama and Trump to deal with the cyber attacks. Yeah. And there's a report out today that the intelligence agencies on purpose downplayed what Trump was saying about the origins of COVID-19 because they didn't want to support him. Look, at this is our intelligence agency. Yep. So are they, did they do the same thing on the cyber attacks? Did they lay thing. low on that? Yep. And, and we're paying the consequences right now. I, I'm not putting any judgment on that other than to say, oh, my God, we have to accelerate this process, because this will shut down, not shut down, too strong. This will very negatively impact a host of U.S. business sectors. The other weekend happening that I want to discuss very briefly is the weather forecasters. They took a lot of rain out of the forecast for the next 10 days to two weeks. This was, Jim, what surprises me here is you go back 
three weeks, four weeks ago, and everybody was talk, was pointing to the first half of June as a time that we would dry out, that we would warm up, that it was going to be the start of a problem for the 2021 growing season. And then last week, really, the whole attitude changed. Yeah. And there was rain in the forecast. The models were showing it. The rain disappeared from the models over the weekend. And we're back to where we were three or four weeks ago with the weather forecast. Now, are we at that time? I forget. What's the time? Is it at the beginning of June or the end of June where the cycles change, Chip? Is that the right way to say it? Begin. The weather patterns? Yeah. Beginning yeah. of June. So, yeah. And, and we know we've been through it as market reporters over the decades. Uh, a, a forecast is just simply that, a forecast. And what changed? The, the biggest question as a wire service reporter I ever had to weather forecasters and climatologists is, if you were wrong, why are you wrong? And right. that told me what to look for. But a lot of weather people don't even like to answer that. And right. I don't know why, because they're not, per it's, it's in exact science, right. if science at all. So yeah, you're seeing the volatility here at a oh, critical yeah. time, at a critical Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Okay, we've talked about the tariffs. Let's go to this. As long as we were talking about China, let's go ahead and talk about this because there's new policy in China. Chinese married couples can now have up to three kids. Yeah, I think they were looking the other way for a while now, but the Chinese people are not delivering, if you will, okay? <laughs> and there's some analysis out this morning is that they're going to have to give the Chinese people incentives to have more children because it's costly to have children, not just in the United States and around the world, but also China. So they're going to have incentives. So watch that be the next step, Chip. I don't know when it's going to come, but you're going to have incentives underway to, because China's aging population is a concern. And that has gone all the way to Xi as their leader. They have to have a change here. Yeah. And what they're most concerned about is the future workforce, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. They don't want to become like Russia, and I don't think they will. Russia won't have enough of their own people to even run their defense establishments in the next few years. That's how bad it is in Russia. Here's another one that happened over the weekend, but I think it's going to play out in the week ahead. How important is it that the Texas Democrats walked out of the Texas House to block a vote on the voter registration and and voter requirements bill. The walking filibuster, as we're calling yeah. it. It's the Democrats, don't listen to what I say, listen to what I, watch what I do. Here they're complaining about the Republicans' first filibuster under the Biden administration of the January 6th chaos in, in, in Washington, D.C., but yet they walk out of the Texas legislature on, on Sunday, it was, yeah. because of, depending on your position, a reformist voting bill or too much of a, a vote retrenchment bill. Now, they'll have a special session. And the, it, it, you know, the governor, Abbott, has already announced that. And they're going to have to be further compromises. So I think a, a bill will eventually come out, but they made their case. Now, will the Republicans do the same thing in Washington? We'll have to see. Yeah, 
Yeah, we'll have to see. I think it has an impact, so watch it. It Because it, there's 14 other states with bills regarding yeah. voting measures there. So this is sweeping the country here of the a sincere look. It's a sincere yeah. look about those you know voting patterns in the U.S. Okay. WIP Plus payments, the latest. All the applications have been analyzed, either approved or rejected. So now we're just waiting on an official... USDA announcement, Chip. I know the announcement is on Secretary Vilsack's desk. Trust me, I've got good sources over there. Last week was on the right side of his desk, somebody (laughs) told me. Now, you can be right either way. It's depending how you're looking at the desk. I'm right either way on that. But it's done. So we're finally going to see what percentage of the remaining 50% of 2019 crop is finally going to be paid. Hopefully all of it, but we're going to see. Okay. All right. Very good. And another one I wanted to point out this afternoon, they're going to come out with uh, the, what they call the pandemic cover crop program, giving you some news here, cheap, uh, you, you know, chip ag producers who have coverage under most crop insurance policies are eligible for a premium you'll benefit from USDA if they planted a cover crop during this crop year. Now, the the premium support is $5 per acre, but no more than the full premium owed, so you can't gain it. Illinois, Indiana, Indiana, and Iowa have existing programs for, for producers to receive the premium benefit for planting cover crops. So we're going to get details, it looks like, this afternoon, so I would watch for that. Gotcha. And you guys in last week's Pro Farmer had a great summary of the CFAP and COVID-related payments and the schedule and the timeline. People need to take a look at that. Yes. And if you're not a subscriber to Pro Farmer Newsletter, shame on you. You should be. But if not, you write to whoever, Chip, me or who, and we'll make sure that you get the back page of Pro Farmer that really summarizes where we're at because it's confusing. We have so many payment programs going out there. That's why we did it, not only because of all the emails and calls we get from Pro Farmer members, but for ourselves, it was getting confusing. So we thought we'd put together a back page special report, a snapshot of where we're at on all these payments. So you might want to come up with any listener or viewer who wants a copy of that page four, not the whole newsletter, the page right. four, we'll send it to you in a PDF okay. format. Real quick, what's the developments on country of origin labeling? That's one where it caught a lot of people by surprise. Tammy Baldwin from Wisconsin Democrat and Senator Scott from Florida have an online country of origin labeling language in the uh, in the China, well, they call it the China bill, in the innovation bill that Chuck Schumer, the majority leader in the Senate, is wanting to vote on, looks like June the 8th now. They wanted to get it out last week. And so the retail establishments yeah. in the U.S. were concerned about this, and they wrote a letter to more than a few people about this. So I, I can't rule it in or I can't rule it out yet, but it's something to watch in that language. I do know that some Republicans on the Senate Ag Committee are wanting to exempt agriculture from that online country of you uh, origin, you know, you know, labeling. All right. Last one here, Jim. We're almost out of time. What are you listening for most closely this week? 
Oh, huh. most closely. The weather from a market perspective, because a, a different changing weather forecast, we could be right back in the downward trending market to China. China is throwing off continued aggressive statements at the top of their leadership chip. So that's always something that I put near near the top. And the other one is the infrastructure bill. Watching the negotiations in this town between Biden, hopefully the Democrats in Congress and the Republicans to see if they can come up with a bipartisan approach. All right. I'll tell you what I want to listen to. I want to listen to the explanation from USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack on why they are not going to appeal that federal court decision to turn back time and slow down the processing lines. I'd really like to get an answer to that this week. He may have a good reason, but we need to hear. Absolutely. Jim Weissmeyer, thank you, sir. We will talk to you next week on DC Signal to Noise. 